0: Good morning everyone. Good morning. Thank you. That was tremendous. Out of the scripture talks about you, it says out of the mouths of babes. God gets special praise and pleasure hearing the little ones speaking his word thank you let's pray our father prepare our hearts open our ears Lord this is your word this is not man's word this is your word this is your message to us may we hear what you have to say for us today father we commit our way to you in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Amen What child is this? Nativity scenes all over the world with a babe in a manger and people just walk past many of them take no notice in some societies now it's not even popular to have a nativity scene anymore, and some even don't permit it to happen. But the question is, what child is this? This is no ordinary child. This is a special, and the scripture, as the children have brought to us this morning in Isaiah 9, chapter 6, In verse 7 Harry Ironsides a commentator from the last century said of this passage it's one of the most complete prophecies concerning our Lord that is to be found in the Old Testament. And so let's have a look at it. First of all a child will be born to us a son will be given to us. Notice the words. Notice the words. The child is born, but the son is given. There's a different process here. The child, as Calvin mentioned before, the child born was nurtured in the womb of a woman. But the son came from the throne of the Father to occupy that womb. If you can understand that, you're God, because only he can understand that. Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel speaking to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. Here we have humanity and deity clearly stated in one short statement. As a child, he was formed in his mother's womb. He was truly man just like the rest of us in that sense. Physically, he was a man. Born of a woman, born of a virgin. No man's sinful seed was involved in his conception. Why the virgin birth? What was so essential about the virgin birth? Salvation had to come from God. Man can't save himself. full deity and full humanity had to be united in one person. For him to do all the will of God which he declared that he did, there had to be full humanity and full deity in that one person. And true humanity is only possible without inherited sin. We let ourselves down all the time. We fail when we should succeed. Repeatedly. We go to the throne of grace for forgiveness. We receive that forgiveness and we go out and we sin again. But in this one, there was no inherited sin. As a son... He was the eternal Son of the Father. A Son given. He was preeminently the gift of a God of love. He was, the, he was in the beginning with God. John read before. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him. He was not part of the fallen creation. He was above the creation. He was before the creation. And we'll look at that again a little later. And there were two words here that really struck me when I was looking at this. And those words are, to us. To us, this son is given. To us, fallen sinners, with no right of appeal before God, to us, this great great gift was given. Should we not fall on our knees and praise him? Should we not worship him? What a saviour, what a God, what a Lord. The government will be upon his shoulders. He is appointed to exercise supreme rule over all the universe. This is a remarkable prophecy. There's there's a, um, a, a law for this, but I won't go into that. But this prophecy in two short verses goes from a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago and goes all the way to a throne in heaven that will control everything. This is our God. How do we puny man ever think that we're going to tell God what to do? Isaiah 22 verse 22 I will place the key of the house of David on his shoulder. What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. The key, the mark of office, the sign that he is entrusted with the chief authority of the government of heaven is upon the shoulders of this one. And he will be called. He will have special names. And in the Hebrew, um, in Hebrew, to be called is the same as, or can be the same as, to be. So that we get Abraham, the father of the faithful. His name was changed to Abraham. He, He trusted God. And he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and now every person who believes God and has righteousness credited to him is a descendant of Abraham by faith. Abraham, the father of a multitude. Jacob, wrestling with God in the dark, saying, I will not let you go unless you bless me and God says your name shall be Israel because you wrestled with God and prevailed you are now a prince with God and Jacob, Israel got up from that experience and he said this is an awesome place, this is a place like no other, this is the house of God Beth, house, El, God. Bethel, house of God. These names have specific meaning. And the names we will look at now have specific meaning. Now, (coughs) not all translation is the same and commentators agree on both sides of the fence with the first one, wonderful counsellor in some translations there's a comma between wonderful and counsellor. And they're viewed as two separate words. Which is legitimate in that wonderful is a noun anyway, a naming word. It's a title in itself and it was used by the angel of the Lord. Remember Hannah who desperately wanted a a son. And God, the, the angel of the Lord came to her and told her that she would have a son. And the husband said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? So that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. It is secret. It is mysterious. It's not something that you can understand. In Revelation 19 and 12 we have this confirmed in that he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. And in Matthew eleven twenty-seven, the Lord Jesus Himself said, No one knows the Son except the Father. We know about Him. We have come to know Him to some extent as our Lord and our Savior, and the degree to which we submit to Him is the degree to which we begin to know Him. But only the Father knows Him intimately. And His name is wonderful. Because he is wonderful. And he is the counselor. As a counselor, he's wonderful. As the eternal word, he's the revealer of his father's mind and heart and will. This word counselor in the Hebrew in the Old Testament has an equivalent that occurs once in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 11 verse 34 in that great doxology that Paul that gives who has known the mind of God or who has been his counsellor no one can counsel God there is no counsellor but God and so therefore the Son must be God. Not just God, but mighty God. Mighty God, powerful, God ill, God singular, God the first great cause, the absolute deity. This Son that's given is none none other than the mighty God. Colossians 2 and 9, for in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. That word dwells means occupies, settles down and abides there. It's where it lives, it's where it belongs. Where God is is committed to having it be in him all the fullness dwells all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form everlasting father could be translated father of eternity talking about shivers down the spine how about that one how about that one There's eternity and there's God. Was he there before eternity? He certainly wasn't there after eternity. He's the father of it. There's another Hebrew custom where he who possesses a thing is called the father of it. As Messiah, his rule and reign is eternal. Once again the Lord Jesus Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, at the Great Commission he said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority and in the Greek language that word all means every single thing without any exception. It's not a case of later on oh I forgot about that or i didn't mention this that all means everything all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth and in philippians chapter 2 verses 9 to 11 to 11 in those wonderful verses therefore god exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Doesn't it thrill your soul to hear words like that? And He is the Prince of Peace. Colossians 1 and 20 made peace through the blood of His cross. In three ways, at least, He made peace. Firstly, by making God and man one in his person, by becoming flesh and dwelling among us. John 1 and 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Secondly, reconciling man and God in his death, Colossians 1 21 and 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. We're reconciled to God. And three, by reconciling man to man in his life, if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin so we have these four names wonderful counsellor, mighty God everlasting father prince of peace and as we were in the other building praying this morning and Beth was with us, and I love hearing her pray. Mm -hmm. She said something, and I thought, yeah. And so, you go back two chapters in Isaiah. These names that we have been looking at, if you distilled them all down into one, what name would that be? Isaiah 7:14 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign See the virgin will conceive have a son and name him Emmanuel Emmanuel God is everything we need at any time in any place we can rest and trust in him totally. Verse 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government or peace. We're now looking away into the future. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. His reign as Prince of Peace in extending and promoting peace shall be unlimited. It will be a prosperous, wide-extending, ever-growing and unlimited empire of peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. Psalm 132, verse 11. We have this wonderful weaving of King David Israel's beloved singer weaving in with the Messiah that's promised to come. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. Psalm 132 verse 11, the Lord swore an oath to David a promise he will not abandon, I will set one of your offspring on your throne. And that promise was understood as referring to the Messiah. Now I want to share some scriptures with you that I find just amazing. The grace of God in First Chronicles chapter seventeen, first of all verses one to four, and then verses ten to fourteen, the second half of verse ten to verse fourteen. When David had settled into his palace, he said to the prophet Nathan, "Look, I am living in a cedar house, while the Ark of the Lord's Covenant is under tent curtains." So David told, so Nathan, so Nathan told David. Do all that is in your mind for God is with you. But that night the word of God came to Nathan, "Go to David my servant and say this is what the Lord says, you are not to build, you are not the one to build a house for me to dwell in." And I can imagine David's disappointment at that point. But we go down a few verses, go down to the second half of verse 10, and we've still got Nathan speaking, and he says, Furthermore, I declare to you that the Lord himself will build a house for you. When your time comes to be with your fathers, I will raise up after you your descendant who is one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be his son. I will not remove my faithful love for him as I removed it from the one who was before you. That was Saul, King Saul. I will appoint him over my house and my kingdom forever, and his throne will be established forever. What an amazing God we have. He is King David with a heart to build a house for God. And God says, no, but I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to build a house for you. So what grace David was not to build a house for God, but God would build one for him, not a house made with hands. Solomon would do that, and it would later be destroyed twice. This will be an enduring house, a throne and a kingdom that will be unlike any earthly kingdom, established not by force and conquest, but by moral qualities of judgment and righteousness. Now the sceptic might say, how do you know that's going to happen? But Toby read, the zeal of the Lord, and in my translation, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. God is zealous for the glory of his Son. God saw him hanging on that cross. And he said, I'm going to build a house for him. He is going to occupy a place where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. All will declare that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Even so come Lord Jesus. So what are we to take from this? At this season of giving, let us give heartfelt thanks to God for his indescribable gift. Seek as much as we're able to share what Christ what Christmas means to us. Don't you hate that word silly season? Yeah, but it's an opportunity to say actually no for me it's not the silly season at all it's a special season it's a season of great blessing it's a season when my saviour came and was born on this earth for you this child was born for you this son was given Have you accepted him? Is he your Lord? Is he your saviour? Make him your Lord today. Make this the best Christmas you've ever had as you worship this one whom God gave to redeem us to himself. Thanks, Beth.